On this episode, we welcome Coach Wazinski from Boston College. We drink some blue blood. We go over the bottom 25, and we give out another green light. Ian, hit me. Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. Welcome, everybody, to episode six of the Green Light Podcast. Seis. It's Paul. Is that how you say it? Seis? Seis. Nice. You paid attention to Spanish. Uno, good dos, for you. Tres, cuatro, cinco, seis. Yep. And it's Paul and Ian back at it. Um, we got another great episode for you guys. Going to awesome. go over uh, kind of what we saw this week. Brief, brief recaps. Um, and then hop into our interview with Coach Wu. From Boston College, who beat my Blue Devils this weekend. Number one uh, in the ACC. No, I want to preface uh, this. God. The number one team in the ACC. Came on the Greenlight Podcast first. Boston College Eagles. And uh, proud of those guys. Yeah, very, big time. Very, very happy for those Shout dudes. out to Coach Christian. Um, weird having yes, ACC basketball in, in December. Um, this early. early. It is weird. But um, BC came to play. They absolutely came to play. Um, dudes were lights out from three. Lights out. Absolutely. Uh, Bowman, five for five. Like, come on. Robinson, Just miss one for me. One time. Ty Bowman's a sophomore. That's what? He's 6'1". I mean, he's not, not a big guy. 30, 10, and 9. 30, 10, and 9 as a That's sophomore guard Duke. against Duke. That's and how you and uh, um, awesome, awesome to see. Um, is Coach K on the hot seat? Is that- I'm not ready to put him there yet because it wasn't a home <laughs> game. But uh, if he loses at home, yeah, he might be. Yeah. Um, in, in all seriousness, no, seriousness, though, Duke can't guard anybody. No. Um, that's literally, you know, BC. No. Now, now, listen, you got to shoot the absolute shit out of the ball to beat them. You got to play a great game. I get all that. But how you really beat them is you spread them out. Uh, you drive high middle ball screens. Really, they put Bagley in those in that ball screen over and over and over yep. again. Um, and then they just made shots. They executed. They deserve to win. They did. Big time. No, hundred so. percent. I, I agree. I mean, you look at the box. Eighty nine, eighty four was the final. Um, Bagley played all forty minutes. Grayson Allen played thirty eight. Um, they they really. I mean, their their biggest contribution was. By twenty five from Gary Trent, who yeah. shot the ball really well himself. But the team, then BC, yeah, BC. Look at what had, Duke yeah. did from three, eight for thirty. You eight know, for like, thirty for Duke compared to fifteen of twenty six from Boston College. There you go. Um, they shot. They were both made twelve free throws. But I mean, BC. When you have three guys, one guy drops thirty, another drops twenty four, another drops twenty two. Uh, you're, you're doing something right. So first loss for the Blue Devils. Um, the biggest of all the Blue Bloods, I would say, goes down. Um and uh, the, the next blue the next blue blood that I would consider in your top one yep uh, yep and taking taking a couple L's this week uh, the Kansas Jayhawks the Jayhawks baby taking a couple L's um this one's kind of crazy I mean I know BC's not uh fantastic this year but at least it was at home yeah no, you know what I mean Kansas be. losing at home is kind of insane yeah that's I mean that, no doubt it's one thing to to beat one of these blue blood programs but to do it in arguably one of the toughest places to play in all of college basketball in Kansas and rock chalks yeah, going I heavy I think it's number one that is uh that's definitely tough and, and the biggest thing that stood out for me from this I, I read you this quote was um Bill Self just absolutely 
ripping into his team yeah, publicly these, in the these media. quotes are tough. I don't I don't know what he said to his team in the locker. I'm sure it was not pretty, but to the media after the game, uh, you can see he said, "This is the softest team that Kansas has had since I've been here." Whew, period. That I mean, that in itself is all it all you need to say. I mean, he said, "When I say soft, I throw that term around a lot. I don't know how else you could describe the last four halves we played if you don't say that." Um, basically, talks about their experience, a lot of youth, but. Uh, he said, I can't remember the last time a team gave up 58 and a half. I don't know if that's ever happened. That was disappointing. Um, we have such little margin for error when you've only got seven guys. Our seven guys are good enough. We just didn't play very well again today. And, and that sums it up. I mean, how, how about this stat? So the last time Kansas lost consecutive home games, it happened in February 1989 in Roy Williams' first season as Kansas' coach. Spanning decades. And the Jayhawks have never lost consecutive home games as a ranked team. So, I mean, this is, I mean, so think about territory. this. Let's, I'm 28 years old. The last time it happened, I was not born. Same here, man. <laughs> Same here. I mean, that, so, that is kind of a big deal, but Bob, also. I mean, hey, give Arizona State credit, though. Yo, I mean, those tough. guys fill it up. I mean, they have tough. arguably, I've I seen a lot of talk on Twitter. You can make the argument with the schedule they've played that they are the number one team. They a lot haven't of people lost. are saying that. They haven't lost. They put up a, over a hundo on Xavier. They just won at Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't get uh, doesn't get much better than that. And I think they're sitting right now in the AP poll. They're around four, around five. They've moved up to uh, Arizona State in the Ken Palm rankings. They're not getting a ton of love on Ken Palm, um, but – um, at the end of the day, they've uh, they've won every game that's been in front of them. So um, props else, to props, props to them. Um, those are the, the biggest things for me. Um, I'm, I'm my I, I got to come back to Florida really quick. Finally uh, breaking a bad losing streak and beating a really good team in Cincinnati. Yep. A very very good team. I did say a couple podcasts here, yeah. ago that uh, <laughs> Florida was going to the Final Four. So that was help looking, out your prediction a little. That bit. was looking really really bad for a long time. But uh, they actually have Clemson this Saturday, so hopefully they can get that done. Um, and then Minnesota loses again. Well, I think my, my our, one of his podcast favorite teams. We talked about it is, every episode. It really they, they hit is. a rough spot. Yeah, next week I think we're gonna have uh, Billy O'Meiron, who's uh, the video coordinator for Minnesota. So maybe he can give us some insight about what the hell's going on. But uh, I think they're playing tonight. I think Minnesota's the only game on tonight. Um, they are playing Drake. There tonight. you go. So get that done. Um, yeah, and uh, play some and stuff. I mean, they Drake. won. They they went. I mean, they went. Their schedule was Alabama um, in in uh, in Brooklyn. They had Miami, then started Big Ten play. Rutgers nah, at Nebraska, tough. and then at Arkansas. And Arkansas is eight and three. Nebraska is eight and two. Or no, excuse me. Um, Arkansas is seven and two, and Nebraska is sitting at seven and four. Yeah. Um, so good games, tough games, tough games, yeah. man. And you schedule, you have that schedule, and you get Big Ten play early. Um, I, I still think they're one of the top three, four teams in the Big Ten. Um, but tough loss, and then uh, my who's Your boys. my who's took the first loss. That was I was uh, probably upset my wife a lot at how intense I was getting in that game. But when Kyle Guy is forcing uh, uh, three after three and not hitting anything, and then hits three on three state straight possessions, you tend to get a little uh, a, a little worked up. But um, West Virginia is good. I mean, Javon Carter might be probably the best senior leader in the country. Dude's averaging I think four four point something steals per game. Damn. As a as one guy, um, Virginia had some uncharacteristic turnovers at the end. Ty Jerome gave a couple up and and had a foul on the floor that gave West Virginia free points. 
Um, not a bad loss by any means going to no, WVU no, and, no, and no. losing that game. They're but it uh, would have been a resume-building win. But um, you know, they're off this week and then for exams and back into like a lot of teams. But that is uh, that was the wrap of the, of the big programs that we watched. And, and um, now the – Before we even get into it, but – we gotta we gotta recap the bottom twenty five real quick. Before we everyone do. everyone likes to uh, yeah Ian's then gonna uh, bring us into the the third is it the fourth green light player of the week? It is the third. God. We've had Andrew Rousey. We've had Connor, no it's fourth. Connor Birchfield. Connor Birchfield. I think and Connor. Trey Young. Hey, by the way, Connor, you just followed us back on Instagram. Shout out! I tweeted at your girlfriend, almost gonna be wife, to come on the pod. What's going on, my man? Come on the pod. Uh, come on the pod. <clears throat> An update. The bottom 25. What everyone's really been waiting for. Uh, yes. Yes. We have some still There are six, teams. six defeated teams left in college basketball. What starting. You, what you got? With Mississippi Valley State at 0-8. Yep. Alabama A&M, 0-8. Arkansas Pine Bluff, 0-10. Coppin State, 0-10. <laughs> Alabama State, 0-8. And the last defeated team in college basketball, Norfolk State, 0-9. Kyle Quinn will not be happy about that. Six teams left. Who will come out defeated? We cannot wait to find out. I don't think Uh, some of these teams are going anywhere. Also, I do want to throw uh, Chicago State in there. They're 2-10 but have uh, no Division I wins. And also, breaking news, breaking news. Um, Chicago State just took a 65-point loss to the tune, 96-31 to to Northwestern. One more time. Um, How many many points? It was a 65-point loss. 65-point loss. To to their... their, the Chicago brethren at, at, over at Northwestern. Um, but I have one last team I do oh, want to yeah, nominate okay, to the bottom ahead. 25. Ah, They're yes. not there, but after the losses they've taken, I don't know if they, they'll ever recover from this. My hometown, James Madison Dukes. The Dukes! They've lost um, three games now in the past, I think, two, two and a half, three weeks. They're absolutely brutal. They lost this last one. They lost to Richmond by three after tying the game up with seven seconds left, lost on a buzzer beater three with one to go. They lost to the Citadel by two while they're up one less than 20 seconds you to go. Just can't lose. But the worst of all, the no. worst, no, the worst game of all, and the worst thing, and this is like uh, most people have no idea this happened unless you grew up in the Shenandoah Valley. George Mason, <laughs> James Madison, old CAA rivalry. They're playing at JMU. James Madison has a four-point lead with seven seconds to go. Has a 99.9 percent chance of winning. George Mason hits a three. While the ball's in the air, James Madison gets fouled for blocking out George Mason. So not only is the three drop in, they get two shots on top of that. So you go from a four-point lead to a one-point deficit. Then on the inbound, George Mason takes a charge and gets the ball back. Mm. Final score, George Mason 76, James Madison 72. That's some So in the span of six seconds, we went from a four-point lead to a four point L. So I JMU, I hope you get on track. Ooh. I love you. Um they've got uh, FIU and then they oh boy they gotta play Florida um, after Thanks. that. Um, before they get into CAA play. I hope you recover. I just I do have to nominate you to the bottom twenty five because those are probably three of the, the the toughest losses anyone's taken this year. Yep. Um, but lastly leading us into the coveted green light player of the week. Um, from the team that we have, uh, that we just mentioned before, Chicago, Chicago State. State. Now, so going off the we radar, don't, we don't. Yeah, we don't. Uh, th- listen, th- this the green light. 
award does not discriminate. No. And you can be 0 for 31. You can be 31 and 0. Just let it fly. Let it fly, my man. Let it fly. Let it fly. It also has a good name. And this week, the award winner, the fourth, we say the fourth? Yes. The fourth green light or winner is <laughs> Fred Sims Jr., the Chicago State Cougars, who right now is uh, is averaging 5.7 uh, of six. <laughs> 18.4 field goal attempts. You know, what's, you know what's amazing about this? Is his first, his last five games from three, he goes five for 13, oh no. four oh, for three. Yeah, look at this. Oh four no. for 13. Listen, this, this, is, listen, this is live. This, this is, is unscripted. unscripted. All right, so let me let me start over. Five for 13 from three, four for 13 from three, four for 12, and then three for 10. So double digit threes every Just single game. Every single game. So we, we picked this. We picked uh, Fred Sims before uh, we actually started. Obviously, they just played at Northwestern. Sims decides. I don't. That can't be right, though. He he played zero minutes, but shot zero for nine. Maybe this is wrong, but ESPN has him playing zero minutes play. and going zero for nine from the field. Well, so that doesn't make sense. But either way, on the bench, even from the bench, he's got the <laughs> green light. Freddie Sims Jr. Let it fly, bro. How do you let do? It, let it fly. Uh, I mean, the team only scored thirty-one points. We're so, gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna have to fact check ESPN. We're, maybe we're go to SNI. The, uh, the box score when we check this out. Chicago State, they don't have anybody's minutes, so that's okay. why nobody's so minutes are tracked. But so he went over today. Over nine, over two from three. Oh wait, wait, um, did you? Can you tell me the the first half score? They had eight points. The first half score was fifty five to eight oh. at intermission. Uh, so shout out to, uh, to to Chicago State and to Fred Sims, Green Light Oof. Player of the Week. Keep letting it fly, bro. You can't go uh, can't go scoreless any longer. Um, and. Uh, we're gonna keep track of them. We've been keeping track of them. We mentioned them before on the pod. Uh, I think they uh, they they took yeah they lost 111 to 42 to Purdue earlier in the year and 105 to 66 to Notre Dame. So Fred Sims, don't let that get you down. Keep firing away. Um, you are a green light player of the week. Um, but lastly, now leading into what everyone's been waiting for. Honestly, probably one of the most awesome interviews we could have asked for. Um, former coach I used to work for. Bill Wazinski, uh, Coach Wu, Boston College Eagles, fresh off their win over the number one team in the country. Had an incredible, incredible interview with him. A ton of insight for guys on the process of getting into college basketball, the whole landscape of, of basketball as it is today. Uh, really appreciate coming to pods, on the pod. So without further ado, Coach Wu, here we go. All right. Now we welcome on Boston College assistant, uh, Bill Wazinski, Coach Wu. Uh, Coach, appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Not a problem, guys. Anything you need. Yeah, no, of course. Um, for, for listeners to know, I had the, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, to work as a manager under, under Coach Wu at Ohio. Absolute, absolute awesome dude. One of the best in the game and, and really appreciate uh, him coming on board and uh, especially after a, a huge weekend in in Chestnut Hill, this is um, this is bittersweet for me, Coach. I'm a Duke fan, so I, I actually well, voted against this interview. You're 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 good, probably ninety percent of the time. We just got <laughs> you on the on the ten percent. That's all it was. Um, before we jump into Duke, uh, obviously that's a, a massive win for you guys. And uh, how, tell us a little bit about your background, your come up, um, how you got involved, and and who you've coached uh, alongside with so far. Okay, well. It's a long path, guys. So in 19, uh, what would this be now, 94, I was caught in kind of a transitional phase. Um, 
did I want to keep playing? I was at a junior college. Did I want to, you know, go to a D2 or D3 and keep playing? Or did I want to uh, kind of venture out and, and see if I can get uh, a good degree and then start my coaching career? I mean, when I was a young kid, all I knew was sports and athletics. And uh, I always knew I would do something associated with sports. And, and I was a really, really good baseball player. And I just kind of got bored of the of the sport, and basketball kind of just grabbed me and, and pulled me in. And I was a good high school player, had an opportunity to walk on a lot of uh, local D1 schools in uh, Illinois, but I never got a scholarship. So I actually went to um, junior college route and, and made some bad decisions and got a little bit of an injury. And it actually forced me to start uh, coaching high school basketball as a 19-year-old uh, freshman in junior college with a, a mobilizer on my legs. I tore some tendons in my knee. And my old high school coach said, hey, I got a position for you. If you want to stay in the game, you can be my freshman B basketball coach. So, Oh, my God. I'm sure that paid the yeah. bills. Yeah, well, I was still living in my mom's basement, so uh, it didn't really matter. So, uh <laughs> That was kind of my first start, and and I was kind of lost, but it, it was one thing that kept me focused and grounded. I always loved to teach. My parents were both teachers, and I just used the basketball court as my classroom rather than, you know, the biology or, or chemistry or whatever the case might be. You know, my classroom was the court. And so I finished my two years at JUCO. I coached another year in high school, and I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do now. And my brother actually lived out in UNLV or in Vegas, doing sports radio and so me and my other buddy we went out there for uh, spring break and long story short I never left <laughs> and so I kind of applied at UNLV and uh, got accepted and I was on my way and I was like you know what I went to go meet my advisor he's happenstance a guy from Chicago his name was Dr. Brad Rothermill and he uh, he really set my path for me um, Dr. Rothermill Needless to know, I had no idea who he was. He was the athletic director at UNLV when they won the national title in 1990, wow. when they were in the Sweet 16 for, you know, six years in the 80s. Yep. And he just actually retired, and he kind of stayed on in the athletic department, and he took over some teaching responsibilities, and he just happened to be my academic advisor. That's crazy. And uh, we're talking... He's like, well, what do you want to do? And at the time, I was like, you know what? I wanted to coach basketball, but probably like every coach when you're young, you're like, okay, I'm going to get my degree. I'm going to go back to my hometown and be a high school basketball coach and teach whatever gym or driver's ed or whatever the case may be. And that, that's kind of where the path was set. And he's like, why are you starting so low? Why, why don't you challenge yourself a little bit? And I'm like, well, Doc, I would love to get into college basketball, but I don't have any idea how. And she's like, you know, he he's a big Cubs guy. He actually played for the AAA Cubs, and we talked to Cubs. We talked Chicago, and we kind of just hit it off. He's like, okay, hang on. And he literally picked up his office phone, and at the time, Tim Gergrich, who actually is one of my mentors now, he was the head coach at UNLV, just got the job, was, was Coach Tarkanian's longtime assistant, you know, had the support of the whole community, just picked up the phone for me and kind of <laughs> called Coach Gerg. And he's like, all right, send him up. <laughs> so I, I went up there, and I, I just started like any other guy off the street would start. I mean, 
there wasn't a job that I, I didn't refuse to do from filling up water to working guys out late night to whatever the case may be. And I was an undergrad, just like many people like you guys all started. Yep. And so it just kind of spiraled out of control, and that's like 21 years later. I mean, I was at from UNLV to Loyola, Chicago, to uh, Florida International, um, then to TCU, to Ohio University, and now very fortunate enough, you know, working for Jim Christian for the last 10 years has been, you know, everything and more that anyone can ask, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, that's so. that's uh, that's big time right there. Not a bad place to start uh, UNLV either. Nice, especially yeah, what were you twenty three? Back, back then it was it was a little bit different too. It was still kind of mom and pop Vegas because mm. it was you know the early nineties. Okay, and um, you could still go to a buffet and it was five dollars and thirty cents, <laughs> and you're eating like a king. You know there was no need to go to the grocery store and shop. You just go to the buffets when they're because they were so cheap. I mean, I literally ate at a hotel called the Maxim Hotel, which is literally on Flamingo <laughs> and uh, Flamingo and, and uh, Koval, which where my apartment was, which is one street off the Strip, which was crazy to begin with. I had no idea how my mom and dad let me live there. That's incredible. Um, awesome. But we would definitely just eat for five bucks every single night and have one of the better meals uh, for a college student. But oh, wow. uh, it's, been a, it's been a long journey for sure. That's big time. Um, I know you mentioned, uh, you know, your kind of journey in the beginning about starting to uh, coach in high school and then try and make your your way from there. My father coached college basketball for about 12 to, I don't know, maybe 12 years, whatever it was, and he had a similar um, come up. You know, that was kind of the path. It was you coached high school, right. you won some games, you went freshman, varsity, freshman JV varsity, and then hopefully you got on, um, you know, as an assistant. And back then... You know, now there's an army of assistants and ops guys and GAs and sure. managers. And back then it was literally the head coach, like one paid assistant and then one guy trying to make it. And so, sure. you know, now and, you know, when I so obviously I, I went to OU uh, seven to 11, worked for Tim O'Shea for one year and then John Gross. But there that wasn't even a, an option. Like no one right. would have hired me unless I went to a prep school like New Hampton or Tilton or Cushing, one of those and then had yeah. had guys. So. How has that changed? Do you, I mean, would you recommend well, someone go coach high school at a high level, or, or it well, does? Is it? You, ha- I mean, and I tell this to a lot of young guys. And phrase you, you, you obviously know, you know, my past a little bit more than, sure. than than Paula you do. But I tell the young guys, you don't get jobs the way I got it. That's mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, I put in a lot of time, a lot of work. I worked for free for three years mm-hmm. out at UNLV. I finally got paid. As a, well, I was a senior. Um, actually, I was a graduate assistant. I think I made four hundred dollars a month as whatever you want to call it back then. It wasn't even called really graduate assistant. Yeah. And then I just got lucky. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the old school theory. Um, I just kind of worked hard and shut my mouth and and let my actions kind of take over. Um, I have a funny story. I don't know how much time you guys have, oh, but all I, was, well for you, I was a graduate assistant or whatever at UNLV, and um, Billy Bano, my boss at the time, was actually the top assistant for the Indiana Pacers. Now, I was always around, and, and like I said, I kind of just worked hard, and I shut my mouth, and I learned, and I did whatever the assistants need me to do. And we had a we had a uh, our direct. Uh, it was called a magistrative assistant then. It was now it's the director of basketball operations title. It's such a, 
such a more <laughs> sexy title now than it was yeah. back then. Yeah. So our administrative assistant, a guy named Barry Rorson, who's, who's done unbelievable things yeah. himself in college basketball. He's the head coach of Manhattan. Oh, yeah. He's worked for Coach Cal at Kentucky. He was Coach uh, Dixon at Pitt. I mean, he's he's done a lot of great things. Slice, man. He was, uh, he was our director of basketball operations, really tied in the New York City area. And he had the opportunity to go to uh, Pitt. And I think it was a kind of a lateral move at the time, mm-hmm. but kind of with the promise that, okay, we have an assistant that's going to get a, a head job next year. We'll move you up. So he, he went there as a director of basketball operations. And I'm sitting in my back office, kind of like the war room, video room, and I'm scared to death to walk into Coach Bano's office and be like, <laughs> uh, Coach, by the way, what are you going to do with Barry's spot now that he's leaving? Because Barry and I were really close. He told me weeks before anybody else knew. So I'm sitting in the video room, scared to death. It's late one night, 7, 8 o'clock. And Coach Bano calls me in the office. I was like, oh, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity. And he kind of just rails in on me about some other stuff, some video stuff or, or some practice stuff that I needed to do. Yep. And then he looks at me and he says, Woo, you got anything you want to ask me? I said, what are you talking about, Coach? He goes, well, I've been sitting in this office here for about 10 days, and and you know that Barry's leaving, going to pit. He told you first, and you've not yet come in my office in about 10 days to say, hey, I'm really interested in getting moved up and taking Barry's spot. <clears throat> and so I was like, yeah, Coach, I was, I just didn't know how to, uh, how to, how to bridge the gap. I didn't know how to approach you. Yeah. You know, I just hopefully – worked hard enough where you'd say, hey, man, this guy's leaving. You've earned the spot. And then uh, he goes, you know that shit. Stuff doesn't work like that. And he said, uh, since I didn't think you wanted a job, I gave the job to somebody else. And I was devastated. I was like, oh, man. And he told me, he he puts me in the ringer and says, you know, in this profession, hard work is, you know, it's the key and all that, and you've done anything right, but... When you see an open door, you better walk through it pretty quick. Yep. Otherwise, that door is going to close on you. And he's like, I, I figured you wanted it, but I didn't know maybe you had something else going on, so I gave the spot to somebody else. Damn. I'm like, okay, coach, not, not, it's not a big deal. You know, I'll do whatever you need me to do, a lesson learned. I, I will still want to stay around. I'll keep my spot, whatever you want me to do. And he, uh, and he looked at me and he goes, I'm just playing with you. Oh, <laughs> man. He said, but let that be lesson to you. This is your job. You've earned it. Wow. But from here on out, yes. if there's something that you want in college basketball, you better go get it. That's a hell of a story. Otherwise, you might be standing there empty-handed. Yeah. And so it taught me a valuable lesson. I mean, work ethic and everything is, is is key. But going back to your original, you know, you don't get jobs like that anymore. You mm-hmm. really don't. Unfortunately, the profession has changed. And I think you said it, Paul, in terms of how do I get in? Do I have to have a stable of players? Do I have to be connected with an AAU team or a shoe? Or, you know, unfortunately, it's gone to that uh, market a little bit more than really the hard worker, the grinder, the guy that really deserves it. And I think our, our profession suffered a little bit because of that. Absolutely. Um, I agree. Guys that are kind of just handed jobs, um, that have really no job experience or understanding of what it takes to fill that assistant role. It's a lot more than recruiting. It's a lot more than coaching. It's a lot more than, 
you know, that meets the eye. I mean, yeah, you have yeah. to be, you got to be coach, you got to be father, you got to be parent, you got to be psychiatrist, you got to be, and it takes a lot of years to hone that craft. So yeah. to get into the profession, I tell this to guys now. Um, I tell it to our GAs, I probably told it to Ian. You have to find a way in and by any means necessary. I don't know how you get your first job. How you get it is how you get it, but it's your uh, daily work to show your boss that you are indispensable, that what you do is so much more important on a daily basis than how you originally got your job. So if you got it because you brought a player in, well, every day going forward is, he knows I brought this player, but he needs to know I can do X, Y, and Z better than anybody else in the country yeah. to maintain him like, man, I can't lose Ian. I can't lose Paul either to a job switch <clears throat> or, you know, to a, to another, uh, another job because I don't know if I can fill him. And I think that's the biggest, best piece of advice I can give young coaches is you have to get in point blank that simple but you better make sure your boss understands that you're can't be lost, that you you're there and that what you do on a daily basis is so much more than how you got your job that he doesn't think about a getting rid of you or B I cannot lose this guy. He's too valuable to our organization. Yeah. That's one of the best things that I could, I could tell guys yeah i i had a uh i had an assistant at providence who said almost almost verbatim he said listen man everybody's replaceable you're replaceable i'm replaceable coach cooley's replaceable our ad's replaceable the goal is to make sure there's a goddamn conversation that when you do leave or want to leave or have a job offer that the conversation goes like this damn it we can't lose them what do we got to do to keep them versus okay (laughs) okay and i i think there's a lot of people that still still work like that but i do think that the ease of some of these assistant jobs of guys getting them uh that are getting them because of somebody from a shoe company says you need to hire him or somebody from the media says this is the sexy fit or somebody from an AAU program says you know you hire my guy I'll make sure you get looks at our guys which is all I mean it's out there I mean you got fathers being hired you got brothers being hired yep I mean it's part of our profession but you know I just don't think they understand the value of their positions because they got the job so dang easy. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's crazy. And I think the craziest part, too, is, like, we haven't seen it work. You know, like, there's never been, like, a 20-year long-term relationship with a current AAU coach that's, like, stayed on at a high level. Like, no one ever covers in three years that that AAU coach who got hired at Kansas is no longer there. Like, no one talks about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think think the obvious one now that – you know, depending on injury, is you know the whole Porter situation at Missouri. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not not that, and he's pretty worthy of a co. I mean, I think no, he coached yeah. women women's basketball for a while, and then you know he he he's he's been in the trenches and understands it. So it's not like he's fresh to the game, but you know, coming to the men's side of it, and um, you know, bringing his sons, and 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 I mean, it's it's great. I would love to coach my sons. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, it would be it'd be fun that's for sure yeah 
Well, let's let's jump into it. Obviously, uh, a massive weekend for the Eagles for you guys. Um, unbelievable. Uh, you know, even though I've never got to work with you, anytime someone who's been at OU uh, succeeds like that, it, you know, we're we're proud by default. Um, sure, so it's it was awesome. Um, I, I'm not going to do the standard reporter talk a little bit about what that feels like. I'm going to ask a, uh, a, a specific question. Obviously, everybody gets up for Duke or Kentucky or, you know, Kansas, the Blue Bloods. Everybody gets up for that. But how much do you um, equate, like, okay, do you guys do anything differently when it's Duke or Kentucky or UCLA? Or is it kind of the same thing and the players are just so jacked up? that it's really on them and and you guys shot the hell out of the ball like where, where does how does yeah. it happen well it's a, good, it's a great question I, we try to keep it as consistent as possible um you know obviously the kids they know the stakes are raised you know it, it, you would be foolish not to say oh this one's a little bit bigger but we talk about you know the big difference between words and actions i mean we played, I don't know, let's say we played uh, uh, Stony Brook in a closed-door scrimmage, or we played, uh, you know, we play Columbia tomorrow. I mean, sometimes those shots, you're not focused in enough, and you talked about shooting the ball. I mean, we were fantastic in the first half, you know, from the three-point stripe, and why is that? Is the focus that much more from, from the kids? Is the moment bigger, and we, we you know, we're kind of jacked up, and so maybe a ball that's a little short is a perfect ball now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. You, you know, it, the kids work. Um, you know, our preparation was great. I mean, we did have a week to prepare for Duke, and they, you know, they played a, I think St. Francis, PA, a couple of days before. I mean, you know, they still are Duke, and at, they won by sixty or so against St. Francis, PA. But you know, we did have an opportunity to kind of grind in a little bit and preparation for Duke was great. Yeah. Um, and our, our guys know, they know what the score is. They know they're playing, you know, the number one team in the nation and we don't get much respect at BC and, you know, they just kind of said enough's enough. Oh, definitely. And uh, we took it at them and I think uh, other than Grace and Allen, who's been there, you know, for quite a while, I don't think those younger kids understood that, hey, this is ACC play. If, if you're playing... Sure. BC, if you're playing Clemson or if you're playing Duke in Carolina, you better bring your A game, otherwise you're going to lose. I mean, there's been some times <laughs> we've been at a, you know, in the ACC at BC where we played tremendous yeah. and lost by 12. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's by far the best basketball league in the country. And I'm, you know, I'm a I'm a Midwest guy. I grew up watching big uh, Big Ten basketball. I yeah. wanted to go to a Big Ten school. And I've been coaching 20 years of Division One basketball, and I'm like, yeah, ECC. Until you're in the grinder, until you, you know, have to put up game plans and get players to compete against these guys, you have no idea what it's like. You really don't. I yeah. mean, it, it's truly the second best basketball league, probably in the in on the on the planet. Yeah. Uh, behind the NBA, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. no, I, I some, agree. I mean, obviously the Euro League is very good, but I'm sure there's some teams that can compete with a, you know, guys that are making millions and millions of dollars in the in the Euro League. No, definitely, and that kind of one of the last things I, I want to ask you. Obviously, I mean, from 
from being around you at Ohio, I know, I mean, working with guys like DJ Cooper, working with Nick Kellogg, some strong guards there. I know it. At TCU, uh, you, know, you and Coach were all talking, and you had Hank Thorns there, and it started at BC, sure. and you had Olivier Hamlin. The guys you have now in in in, uh, in Bowman and Robinson, obviously, I know they've gotten a little media attention just because of how well they've they played in leading up the season. How have kind of they progressed? As still pretty young guys, but um, how have you seen them develop and kind of take charge of this team and, and be able to to get you guys a, a win over a team like Duke and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, they're both very similar in a lot of ways, and they're both different in a lot of ways. Yeah. So, so Kai Bowman, who uh, you know really is a hard nose, knows what he wants type of guy. Yep. He big time. I don't know if you know his backdrop. His big time football player. Yeah, I saw he had big time football offers, and then yeah. you, know, you obviously admitted to North Carolina in. Um, in football as a sophomore. Wow, wow. Decommitted to North Carolina football as a junior. The day he decommits, uh, Nick Saban at Alabama calls him and offers him a scholarship to go to Alabama. Damn. T- tells Nick Saban he's not interested in playing football anymore. <laughs> and and okay. if you know Alabama football like we all do and you know the position Kai plays, which is wide receiver – Usually, if you're going to Alabama to play wide receiver, it it equates to millions and millions of dollars in the NFL. Seriously. And Kai was so strong in his beliefs that he said no to Nick Saban and then didn't play football his senior year and did not have one Division One offer. Now, listen to me. One Division One basketball mm-hmm. offer until his, like, December of his senior year, which was Eastern Carolina, which is close to his house. Yeah, wow. And that, and and then didn't get. I think us and Cincinnati were the really only two bigger schools that went in on him. Yeah. And Coach Spinelli, who recruited him, and Coach Christian, obviously, they did a wonderful job, kind of connecting with the kid. Um, he's from Havelock, North Carolina. You could not find it on a map if you were looking for it. Um, and he just kind of bought into what we had to offer. I mean, when you're taking over a program like we took over, you know, with nine scholarships your first recruiting year, there's some things you can provide guys. Opportunity to play. Opportunity to play through mistakes. Um, you know, now there's going to be some mistakes because you're getting thrown to the fire a little bit and maybe don't have, you know, not equipped with the necessary talent against some of these teams. But, you know, that's the type of kid he is. He, yeah. he knew coming into this that, hey, if I don't make it in sports, I'm going to be a Green Beret. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. That's the type of attitude he has. He's, and he's, he's sick with his, his work ethic is off the charts. Yeah, Probably top two or three that I've been around in 20 years. That's awesome. Type of kid that he's never not in the gym. So everything he does, he's worked tremendously hard and, and, and very deserving uh, yeah. for that. And now Jerome has a lot of those same characteristics. He's just more of a natural. He's fluid. He's smooth. He's got length and size. Um, he's a very, very good basketball player, plays multiple div- uh, positions. And the both of those guys have had tons, as you would imagine, tons of NBA um, executives, GMs, yeah. owners come through our gym. Like they're just so intrigued with a who they are, b how hard they work, 
and then see like what's the end game for both of these because I don't think anyone's even those two guys are close to where they're going to be in two months from now or three months at the end of the season then who knows what the future holds I mean yeah. you know in my eyes they're both you know legitimate legitimate NBA prospects um, and I'm not the only one who thinks that no but doubt. they're both awesome kids they both have great families that are very supportive you know, you guys know BC a little bit. It, you just can't bring anybody in through the doors of Boston College. No, you know, there's an academic reputation that needs to be upheld. Yep. There's a character, you know, kind of checklist that, you know, how will these kids be able to make it, you know, through the rigors of a daily life at BC? There's no academic online classes. No. There's, there's, you're in a brick-and-mortar building for four hours a day. Right. You go to practice, and then you're in study hall two hours a night. Not just one kid. That's all our guys. And um, we, we have unbelievable support for them. But there's a lot of kids that aren't interested in doing any of that. And, and our whole roster, and especially Kai and Jerome, they, 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 they buy into it. They understand what BC is, and it's made them who they are right now. And who knows what, who they're going to be in about a year from now or two years from now. It's, no, that's, it's, uh, it's really endless for those two guys. That is, no, and that's awesome to hear, and especially, I mean, the paths that each of them have taken, and obviously I know being a, a huge part of that, you and, and Coach Christian, obviously leading them to this point. Last thing that I wanted to end with is something that, um, no, I didn't prepare you for this. I, I, I probably asked your permission to to throw this on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. But um, all the Ohio managers know this. Ohio players know this. Um, you hear a lot of times, you know, on different podcasts and they talk about football guys. You know, football coaches are the type of guy they'll they just do crazy things and they'll. Uh, I know about um, Les Miles eating the grass and doing things like this. The thing that sticks out to me, when I was telling Paul about you and our experience at Ohio was coming to every shoot-around on the road in full-on hunting gear, ready to get a roadkill. And to me, that is like that is a, the football, that is the basketball guy. Yeah, real and, basketball guy. And that is that mentality I saw from the jump was absolutely awesome. So the last thing I want to say was kind of speak on where that came from and kind of taking that mentality. And I don't know if you still do it, but uh, it was something that obviously stuck on me and one of my best memories from of hitting all those those uh, those road gems late night before about to play a team and you're decked out head to toe in, <laughs> in like mossy yeah. oak stuff. Yeah, well, I don't. We don't go to the extent we used to go to. <laughs> let's put it that way. I mean, you're right. I mean, we you head to toe camouflage, looking for the hunting road kills, but we still we still do the the optional nighttime shoot arounds. We leave the hotel at 9.30, you know, and so it, most of the guys go to that, if not all, and it's just something to keep it light, but yep. it's also something to keep your mind on, you know, like basketball, I think, you know, it's probably 80% mental. If you think that, you know, you're walking into a, a, a situation where you can't handle it, well, then you're probably, your play is probably going to suffer, but... It's just something I did and I, I still do to, you know, I'll still wear the long sleeve camo on the road to optional shoot around. And so does Chip Cunningham. I don't even remember that, Ian. When oh, yeah. Chip literally, he came out with, I guess it's called a ghillie suit. Uh, he came out with a full-blown ghillie suit at Western Michigan. There's actually a picture of Chip and I at Western Michigan at our heyday yep. where it, where it was head to toe, and I think almost, we got I, I that photo. Oh, we got it ready to go. And we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. So 
Roadkin. I think I'm not certain, but I I think Rick J was the one who really you know was harping up road kills and stuff oh, yeah. like that, and and then we we kind of just took it to the ridiculous level like I do most things, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> next thing you know you're decked out in camo. It's just it, I, listen, guys. I've I've been coaching Division One basketball 21 years. I haven't worked one day in my life. Yeah, not one day. Yep. No. No doubt. <laughs> and 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 phrase you obviously know me really well. I think you can attest to that. I keep it light. I think sometimes we we overcoach. Mm-hmm. I think we sometimes make basketball something that really isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put a lot of pressures not only on ourselves, which we should. Uh, like Mike Mike Gundy said, we're we're men. We can do it. You know, I'm 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 40. <laughs> you know, but we also that pressure we put on ourselves. You know, the kids feel that. Mm-hmm. And so. I just try to keep it as light as possible. I want to make sure that our guys are prepared to, you know, to beat Duke or beat Columbia or beat Central Connecticut or beat anybody that's on our schedule. It really doesn't yeah. matter to me. No. You know, true. I don't get very emotional um, with joy and happiness on the bench. If, you know, I get, I get teased a lot because there's, I guess there's a picture of me that went online when Jerome Robinson, we're down four, hits the three to yep. cut it to one. I literally have my hand, and I got my chin on my hand, and I'm emotionless. And yep. you see our whole bench and you know staff, and behind everyone's going crazy. But I really just soak in the moment. My job is done before before I get on the on the uh, game court. You know, I put a lot of pride in practice. I put a lot of pride in extra individual work and shooting. And my job, you know, I have a thing above my door that says, "Are they prepared?" You know, that's what I see every time I walk out of my door and going into the practice room. It's my job to make sure they're prepared. Mm. And prepared not only, you know, physically but mentally. And that's where I get a lot of my little quirks. And, you know, I don't want the guys to really think too much about it. Mm-hmm. If they've put the time in, you know, the results will come. You mm. know, he, Praise knows my one of my favorite quotes, success will never reward the wrong person. That's for you sure. You want full success short term? Sure. I'm talking long term. Yep. If you put that work in, it will never, never not reward you, man. And no I doubt. truly believe that. That's that is that is absolutely awesome. I that's like perfect. I mean, I can't thank you enough, Wu, for coming on on and, no, and doing this interview, man. man. This is this has been great. Obviously, I mean, I've been following you guys the whole way, but uh, I'm gonna keep an eye on you and hopefully make it up to Boston here soon and and see you guys before Please. you you come down our neck of the woods in Brooklyn uh, uh, around March. But um, yep. Tell the guys hi, Coach Christian, Stevie Taylor, Chip. Keep them in check, and uh, uh, we're lo- looking forward to uh, to a lot more stuff from you guys here going forward. I hope we can keep Stevie uh, employed by March, so you <laughs> see him. But he's he's starting to drive me nuts, Fraze. I'm telling you right now, oh, that's driving me crazy. I saw him raising the roof out there uh, after a one dunk you guys had in the second <laughs> half. So I, I can only imagine you're talking about you being kind of stoic on the oh, bench. You guys, it's the yin and your yang there. With uh, I'll give you, I'll Steve. give you one short one before we go. So <laughs> we're down in the stretch drive of it, and Stevie, you know, it, to know Stevie, he knows everybody in the country, or at least he says he knows everybody <laughs> in the country. Yeah. And so Gary Trent Jr. obviously talking about another Ohio connection, Paul. Yeah. You know. He's his son's, you know, on Duke, and he's a tremendous player, and he played great versus us. Yeah. You know, Stevie's like, oh, I know this little guy because we used to work out, and he was an Ohio guy before he moved to Minnesota. You know, and so the first half, and you probably can go back and watch it. Uh, Junior is right in front of our bench, and Stevie's like, 
Hey, don't worry about him. He's from Ohio. And I'm not kidding you. He literally catches, shoots, looks at Jerome right in his eyeball and raises and puts it right through him. Damn. And so I'm like, Stevie, Stevie man, shut, shut up. Yeah. So three or four possessions later, same thing happens. Stevie's like, he starts talking to Gary Trent Jr. Just kidding. And they know each other. They were talking before, so I'm not I'm not trying to of course. you know speak out of line. And Stevie's I literally grab his arm, I'm like, Stevie and I and I, I cussed a few times at him. I'm like, man, you wanna get this kid going? We uh, we were up two at the time. I said, You wanna get this dude going right now? I'm like, bro, just be quiet and yeah. watch the game, man. Don't be saying anything else. He's like, yeah, yeah, coach, you're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds hey, about right, man. True but too. that's Stevie Taylor. That's True who he too. is, man. He, he'll never change. He was a player, he's a coach, you know, and he's done some great things with our guys. And that's awesome. He's out there working with our PGs. He's, 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 he's a real pleasant surprise. If he just shut his mouth, he'd be great. <laughs> he really would. Hey, well, shout out to you. We'll have to, we're going to have to grab Stevie on the pod and get, his, uh, get all his Twitter oh, followers listening. You uh, better have a two-hour special if you're going to bring him on. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. No. Well, I really appreciate it. Everyone that doesn't follow him, go follow him on Twitter, at Coach Wu. Check out BC. Yeah. And Coach, I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, good, good luck, luck tomorrow to you guys night. tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. That was Coach Wu, Bill Wazinski from the Boston College Eagles. Absolutely, absolutely awesome interview. Really appreciate uh, him coming on the podcast and and showing some love to uh, to us. Like we said, gonna be uh, gonna be watching the Eagles the rest of the way and, and definitely supporting those guys. Hopefully, um, some more interviews and, and and get in touch with the rest of the guys on the staff up there. Um, but that wraps it up. This was episode six, six from the Greenlight Pod. Um, we'll be back at you shortly um some other big uh, interviews lined up um, until then tweet at us at the green light pod one hit us up on instagram at the green light pod um shoot us some emails shoot us a text because most of you probably know us by this point um <laughs> but looking forward to uh to bring some more content your way and keeping this thing rolling until then deuces, deuces.